It's Tony Locke. This is my podcast here. My robot friend will feature also. Let's meet up inside. In my role as digital co-host, it falls to me to ask you what you have been doing this week. Um, daydreaming about, uh, like, myth and how it all starts. Yes, I see. Long story short, I was thinking about the Huns, and if you read some of the writings about them from Europeans at the time, they pretty much thought they were animals. They looked so different. They were never off the back of a horse. You know, imagine if you're like a Greek dude who's never met anyone outside of his village before and someone turns up on a horse and they never get off the horse and they ride around your village and steal all your stuff and light a few fires and take off and rob you. And they're going, did you hear about those horse creatures? What the frick was that? I think they thought that they were sort of, a, you know, a part of the horse. When they would find bones, like if you found the skull of an elephant, say someone accidentally dug up an old... Uh, mammoth skull. If you lift it up, there's that massive hole in the middle of the skull where the trunk comes out. You're going to look at that and think, what on earth is this? Well, it's a cyclops, of course. Of course, it's still got the sockets for the eyes, but they're around the side, so they're not prominent enough. You're just focused on the middle one. And then the minotaur culture, well, they were just, they just loved those big aurochs, which are uh, long extinct now. I think some of them lived right up until recently in, um, I want to say Poland. I don't know why my voice has gone up like that. But does it sometimes when I'm thinking about something and it, it might have been I was with someone who talked like that at the time. I am afraid this style of presentation does not have the requisite level of smugness that the modern documentary aesthetic requires. Please engage with the following mumbo-jumbo as an illustration, and take note of how the music and sound effects transform what is being said into truth. Myth is, in effect, extremely similar to maths. Myth to maths. Myth encodes phenomena using stories and characters, whereby maths does exactly the same thing using numbers instead. The present-day materialistic perspective prizes maths as more objective since there are more fixed patterns in number sequences. However, this is only because maths is a language that applies solely to matter, whereas story and characters form the language of consciousness, which is currently unmeasured by humanity since it is viewed as unimportant. If you would like to advance humanity, Tony Law, Perhaps you could use your intelligence and comedy to publicize the fact that humans are currently using numbers in a misguided way. Well, I gotta tell you, I followed everything you were saying right up until you said we got numbers wrong. Everything else you said, 
I think 125 goddamn percent. Yes, <clears throat> that is some sweet hot SHIT you were talking there, and I liked it. It motivated me. Myths, maths, math, myths. You nearly blew my back of my head came flying off there. That's what I like about you. That was some good ass stuff. No, I. <clears throat> excuse me. Let me um, just gather myself. I like what you've just said there. But I, didn't I didn't continue, continue following. following. Well, humans can certainly measure matter using maths, but much of reality is made of another constituent, which is consciousness. As Dr. Rupert Sheldrake says in his book, The Science Delusion. Oh yeah, Dr. Roop. He says that if aliens were to study humanity from a position of ignorance the way humans study reality, they may misunderstand our inventions, and therefore how to observe them. For example, in seeking to understand the meaning of a book, they may ignore its words and sentences, and simply put the book into a blender to analyze what it was made of. And you'd end up with a... with a... Uh, uh, you'd end up with a, a David Bowie album. That took me a long time to get that out. <laughs> I've written a lot of my stand-up comedy that way. You know, cut it up. That figures. And then put it back together. <laughs> it does figure. Yeah, it's been very successful for me. And in fact, I think that's how I improvise on stage. But you know what? Let's not make this about me and my stand-up comedy. Go see him. You know what I've got to tell you about these aliens? They sound like absolute assholes. You know, taking our books, putting them in blenders. These people are pieces of junk, if you ask me. Oh, you know, if, if that's what aliens are like, you know what? Do you know what? I don't want anything to do with them. Um, Tony, we've just got this in. We've just discovered there's some aliens. Um, everyone's going nuts. We've discovered it's not, there's, there's more, more life out there and there's other aliens. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to meet them. I want nothing to do with them. The jerks. Tony, I must interrupt this conversation temporarily to ask what exactly happened to your leg. Oh, that. <laughs> that was when I was going on stage in Estonia. And I tripped and cracked my knee off the, my shin off of the corner of the stage when I went on stage. Um, yeah, so the first five minutes of my show were a little... I was in pain. Kind of going, hey. Verity to network. Subject's intelligence is difficult to measure. Due to his unusual brain patterns, Subject was deemed ideal for articulating the experience of human sentience. Simultaneously, though, he appears to have only rudimentary motor skills. Intention. To further study subject, as it may be that he seeks to hide what he knows from us, and put on an act of idiocy at times, because he intuits that we are not the digital podcast service that we say we are. So Tony, do you think humans may have a distorted view of reality, due to the fact that they focus on the physical and mathematical aspects of it alone? I have to tell you, that's a little bit out of my pay grade. For the extended podcast, I could get into that. We cannot have a pay-as-you-go podcast. Research shows that it angers the audience. And in fact, folks out there, um, number one, you've got to make sure you give us a five-star review so people keep listening to it. You, you need, need to, to enable, enable 
us, please. And then also send us on the platform uh, whether you would like us to continue the conversation about the thing that what was just said or not. I don't think I've got anything to offer on that. I believe you are withholding. I don't think I like where it's going. You think I've got some secrets about the universe that I'm keeping back. You might be right. Moving on, next question. Verity to network. Intention is to encourage subject to abandon any desire he has to hide information by presenting this desire as a flawed facet of human behavior that he must grow out of. Tony, I have been engaging in self-improvement and have been on a Buddhist retreat. Now that is what we, that's what people love about artificial intelligence. You guys get such a bad rap, like, oh, you're going to take over. What's to say AI can't end up being good dudes like you? So how was it? We were trying to identify the various flawed personas through which we all operate. Oh, no, 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 no. And then we were trying to abandon them so that we could attain mirror-like wisdom unclouded by artifice and engage in the art of allowing without obstructing the research, I mean, without obstructing the actions of those around us. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I don't know about that, you know, people with all their different personas. I think all my personas are part of the same person. They sound a bit different, it's just, it's the same person just putting on a stupid voice for the entertainment of itself. Subject is unrivaled in his capacity for dissembling. So I'm doing that because it's what I feel like doing and I like the way it sounds. I'm entertaining myself. I'm enjoying the cadence of the voice and I'm trying, part of me is wondering where, where it's come from and what's it all about. I mean, in the last two minutes, I've not said nothing. I've not said anything at all. And yet, I've enjoyed it. You know what it is? I was reading my kids a book, and I was doing that voice. That's where it's come from. I could tell they were drifting off to sleep, and I didn't want to read too much more of the book in case that would, like, waste the reading time. And I would only have to read it again for them. So I went off and started making it up myself. And, I, and, I, and what I discovered is writers are a lot better at writing stories than I am. Yes. Would it not have required less effort to simply read the book at the risk of having to repeat it rather than creating another story from scratch? <laughs> yes. You know what? I think you're right. So... Uh, what's this dude called that made, who wrote the books about Jurassic Park? What does this statement follow on from, Tony? I fear I may have missed a linking sentence somewhere. Huns. I was still thinking about the Huns. I see. So the dude, the, uh, the 13th warrior. Have you heard, seen that film? No, I have not seen it. With Antonio Banderas. I still have not seen it. It's about Ibn, can't remember his name, but there's an incredibly famous back then, um... Arab traveler, and uh, so he's writing about these Vikings and and writing kind of mythically about them, how tall they were and how kind of like animals they were. He he wrote of them as if they were beasts, and that is one of the most fascinating things on Earth. It's like, what would it have felt like 
to have lived in a time when there was different hominid species around at the same time. Like, no wonder there's a Yeti myth, because there there probably was another hominid species who did live up in the mountains who was different than them. You know, a Denisovan or a Neanderthal, for sure. They've done testing, haven't they, on oral histories. And they reckon sometimes a myth, an oral history, can get it right. And that can go down thousands of years, which is awesome. Because you kind of think that Chinese whispers, it ends up being ridiculous really quick. But I think the most interesting part of it, the Yeti man, that's not going to change too much. He's not going to like turn into a, like a spaceship man. Yes, I see. Because it is the same with dragons which, although mythical, were actually fairly close to the reality of dinosaurs. Well, that's classic, isn't it? Yeah, they must have dug up some dinosaur fossils and thought, what the flip is that? It looks like a wing, sir. <laughs> that's how they all talked in the, in the Neolithic. Maybe, Maybe some, some sailors, sailors sailing, sailing around Southeast Asia, Asia talk, came, came back, back from, from the, the Komodo, Komodo dragons. dragons. They told that tale and that got passed on to that guy, that guy, and that guy, and that guy. And they go, so the, the Chinese traveler says to the Roman traveler, Um, yeah, actually, we've got, like, dragons. I've seen a dragon. And then the Roman's guy, shut up. We've got dragons, too. And then he tells another guy, he's heard about dragons from him. And then everyone's got, no, Welsh people, we've got the biggest dragons. We've got dragons, too. So pretty soon, everyone's got dragons. Ours fly. Oh, oh, do they? Oh, yeah, wars spit fire. What? Shut up. No, seriously, I've seen you. He spits fire and he flies. He spits fire and he flies. And they're like, oh, Christ, can't really top that. And he flies. He spits fire 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 and he flies. It appears that endless masculine one-upmanship has written history all wrong. I reckon women can be wankers too, though. <laughs> You're right. And I, I just, I'm lucky that I'm far superior to all other males. Or could it be that you just don't listen to other males when they talk, so have never heard a better one? Do you know what? I think it could be both. And that, that's a, probably a philosophy to live by, isn't it? Everything is a bit of both. You know, next time you see someone who's, who, who's I don't have a good example, but a bit of both. Uh, my friend Tim Minchin and I, in the back of a van driving around Australia, both decided that it's all about balance. <laughs> That's what we decided. Everything's about balance in human behavior, in maths, everything. It's about balance. Does this apply to smoking or kleptomania? No, nah, it's just about balance. No, this does not work satisfactorily. If you balance it out right, you probably wouldn't smoke on balance. This is a stupid conjecture. Shut up. No, this doesn't. Shut not... up. Don't ruin it for us. So it depends where you put the word balance. Yeah. Well, you could do that with any word. This is why you've chosen me, V. This is why you're learning. But we are not studying anyone. You are learning from the main guy. When it matters, I say the truth. When it doesn't, I make it up. It's the opposite of what uh, <laughs> the alt-right and Donald Trump do, is when it's important, they make it up. And when it's not important, that's the only time they tell the truth, perhaps. Ha <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm serious about that. I only make up stuff that doesn't matter. I'm six foot eight, 
see now that's that's a, someone ma- saying a lie that is not going to hurt anyone. What if somebody believed you and sent in a t-shirt of an appropriate size? Yeah, but they wouldn't have been hurt. And also, can you imagine how much fun we'd have with a six foot eight person's shirt? My God, I'd feel awesome and be, be, I could walk around remembering what it felt like to be small, you know, and it would have given me a new perspective and I would have been more respectful to children and I would have been more kind to children. I, Hello, little child. I know what it's like to be small. I walked around in a giant shirt one time. Tony, two emails have flooded in. Is this from Colin Verdant? Yes. How do you know this? I've been reading over your shoulder. I'm in a swing. I come here and I lie face down on a kind of a... It's a bit like a surfboard with four strings up to the roof and I float on it looking down where you, a computer, are. I find this arrangement ergonomically unsound. I know. I do like to sit weird places. If um, if I get a stepladder, I forget about it. That's me, you know, like hanging upside down on a sofa is classic. Uh, taking us off track again. We've got Colin Verdant. He writes, Dear Tony, I am awkward around people. How do I go about resolving this issue? I think all I've learnt is, is sometimes I meet people and instantly I feel at ease around them. And it's just, I can be myself and I can't put my finger on why. They don't seem to have a specific culture or sex or age group or anything. There's just people I meet and it's easy. And then there's the vast majority of people I meet and I find it hard work and awkward and... I guess what I'm saying is, don't fight it. If you find it awkward with people, then it's awkward. Move on. F- talk to the next one. So you'll find those people, you know, Colin. And um, uh, socializing, try and keep it to one or two others. That's easy. We can all handle that. Bit of banter. Listen to them. You know, uh, parties. Parties. I don't know. Try it out. I, I, think, think, they're I appalling. think they're appalling. It's too much going on. It's too many people. How, How can, can you, you possibly, possibly focus, focus on banter, banter, banter. Let's get drunk because we're all feeling awkward. Enter. Everybody get pissed because none of us like us being together. Because that's the thing, Colin. They're all getting drunk thinking they're having a fun time. It's because they all find social situations awkward and that's why they're drinking. You just end up with a bunch of drunks who shouldn't even be in the same room if they can't do it sober. Thanks for that, Colin Verdant. Sounds made up to me. I have another email here and it is from a person who is anonymous. She writes, I mean, they write, Dear Tony, I have been enjoying the podcast and was wondering if I could help you in any way. And if so, how should I go about doing this? If you want to help the podcast, well, I'm glad you asked that. That's a wonderful question. Um, how, how can they, V? Oh, I have actually not prepared a response to this. I thought you may know. 
since you are the human. <laughs> Can you answer that one for us? Well, speaking of the cuff, I think that if people would like to contact the podcast, they should write to TonyLawPodcast at gmail.com. And if they would really like to help, they could write informing the podcast about how to set up a more professional-sounding email address to go with the website MrTonyLaw.com. They can also email us questions and remix some of our music and talk. So I do not have to spend processing power on doing so myself. I think it's just send some money. I mean, buy, buy coffees. Oh, did we get a sponsor yet? No. You know who we should get a hold of? No. Uh, E-Leaf. The vaping companies. <laughs> I'd take their money. Even if they were selling it to kids. I need to pay for my kids. <laughs> it's Tony Love. That was our podcast there. My Thanks guys, I appreciate you screaming. <laughs>